Are you looking to expand your brand this year? Want to make your business stand out above the rest? Well, there's no better way to grow than with your own podcast. Whether you're an entrepreneur, a solopreneur, a small business, or a massive company, you need a podcast in 2024. Podcast Plus is an easy and efficient way for you and your brand to join the podcast revolution. There's no better way to position your company as the go-to authority than with a podcast that showcases your industry knowledge, insights, and expertise. The studios at Podcast Plus are state-of-the-art with top-of-the-line production quality. And if you're just starting out, Podcast Plus offers professional script writing, editing magic, and can conceptualize your show, create your cover art, and get you ready to stream on all major platforms. We'll market your podcast as well, showcasing it on radio stations and digital streams across the country. Expand, enhance, and extend your company and brand and reach potential clients and customers 24-7. Find out more at podcast with the K, P-L-U-S.com. That's podcast with the K, P-L-U-S.com. Major fighting Parabnormal. Somewhere between abnormal and paranormal. I felt like something was near me. Kind of a eerie feeling. You want answers? I want the truth! Jeremy Scott asks the questions that we're all dying to know. You can't handle the truth! Hello? Hello? You can't keep them down, no matter how hard you try. Hey, that's the guy! Traveling into the witching hour from the cold, dark depths of a secret dungeon somewhere deep in the remote Pacific Northwest, you're riding into the paranormal. You know, when you're in new surroundings, you just got to check over everything once and twice and maybe eight or ten times again, but it is a go. Hello, friends. It is an absolute pleasure to be back behind this microphone, the same exact microphone I drug from one end of the United States nearly clearly to the other end of the United States. That same microphone gets me on the air tonight. Knock on wood, we're going to stay on air tonight. I want to say thank you to a very special number of people who have stayed with this show. It really means a lot to me. You're going to hear a lot tonight on this show. Those special people I want to thank are our loyal affiliates, particularly Father Mike Peranick at St. Mary Catholic Church in Hillsboro, Ohio at 106.9 WLRU for putting us back on the air. And also to Brad Bernards at Valentine Radio, 1610 AM, Surrounding the Valentine, Texas area. A splendid job they have done of stepping up. And of course, I want to thank you, the loyal listeners, for finding your way back to this program. I know it's going to be a little bit of a uh, of a learning curve for some of you. We're trying to do it the exact same way we did previously. And of course, for those who don't know who I am, uh, what credentials I may bring to this program, I've hosted upwards of 200 of these shows on the paranormal, on conspiratorial topics, uh, of what I like to call the abnormal. Now, uh, for those who may or may not know, and for those who are going to be following uh, me from my earlier podcast, because they see that we're back on some of the same places, um, they'll know what the abnormal term means. Uh, You may not. Uh, Abnormal is my version of paranormal. 
Um, paranormal seems too normal to me. So we throw a, a little bit of a twist on that, and it's parabnormal. So welcome to the program tonight. Lots of parabnormal news to react to. It's been a while since I've been back behind this microphone. In fact, about uh, a little over three and a half weeks. And so there is a lot of catching up to be done. But we'll also have Ken Pfeiffer on the program. That's a carryover, uh, you know, the second Friday of every month. He joins us uh, for his uh, UFO sightings reports. And he's a MUFON investigator. Ken Pfeiffer is going to be here again tonight. So we've got lots of pictures that you can check out our website. I mean, the God's honest truth of it, ladies and gentlemen, without getting into too much uh, in details right yet, the website is is a free website. Uh, I'm, I'm not uh, giving away anything that I don't want anybody to know. I've spent absolutely zero dollars getting back on the air because I have zero dollars uh, to my name. Um that's the God's honest truth tonight. Everything you're going to hear right from the horse's mouth, and I'm being the horse, is the God's honest truth. And so the website is the best I can do for a free website. The streaming service that I'm using does not allow me to broadcast every night. But it does allow me to talk to you for two hours every single Saturday, which is what I've elected to do, spend part of my weekend with you, 7 to 9 Pacific, 8 to 10 in the Mountain Time Zone, 9 to 11 in the Central Time Zone, and, of course, 10 to midnight in the Eastern Time Zone. So two hours every single Saturday it is. You know, I wish I could be here more. I wish I could uh, talk to you more often, but... Um, the nature of the beast is I've got to bring home the bacon. And so there's no money right now in this, ladies and gentlemen. I'm on the air because I want to be on the air. And I know many of you, like Edward uh, G451 in our chat room, the live chat at uh, intotheparabnormal.wix.com slash ITP radio. Or you can get there at uh, intotheparabnormal.chatango.com, which is the um, – website, the service that we're using. We use that on the last show as well. Uh, Edward says three weeks too long, and we've got lots of ground to cover tonight. And MUFON investigator Ken Pfeiffer will be up in just a little while. We'll also um, tell you what's coming up on the program next week. For those who have followed along my journey, one of the shows that I you know, had planned in the works was the one we're going to bring you next week. So that's on tap with Keith Linder, Steve Mara, and Don Phillips the exclusive uh, follow-up on the Washington State Poltergeist House case. Many people, even those you who may not uh, would expect to be on this program, are coming up in the future weeks. So the website will eventually get its own domain um, as I put money in my pocket from my own uh, uh, personal ventures, which was uh, allowed me to do the podcast uh, prior to that other program in the first place. Uh, your support, though, is appreciated. You can go to intotheparabnormal.wix.com slash ITP radio. My free website allows me to bring you the program here tonight. Of course, we're on the TuneIn Radio app and many other places. So um, I want to thank you for tuning in. But I know you didn't tune in necessarily just to hear my stories. Uh, and for those who are tuning in on one of our uh, loyal affiliates tonight, uh, you may say, well, what's this guy going on and on about? I, th I was here for the for the paranormal and, and for conspiracy. And we're going to give it to you. We're going to serve it up in a big uh, a big portion tonight. Trust me, you will not come away uh, from this empty handed. I want to thank Chris McCann as well. Uh, he's the image voice. The big pipes guy is what I like to refer to him as. And uh, you'll hear him in and out of the program. 
Chris McCann is an upcoming uh, voice talent, and uh, I'm, I'm privileged um, to be a part of that. And, and just so you know, yeah, things are good with the other voice guy. Really, they are. I just talked to him today. So if you're, if you're thinking there's some sort of conspiracy involved in all this, yeah, n- n- no, there's not. I want, to, um, I want to get into a couple of news items here because there's a lot that has happened uh, since I last was here on the program. Lots of stuff, in fact. Many of it is the same. Uh, some of it is, is a bit new uh, in the sense that it's the same old, same old as far as that is concerned. You know, I'm big on new, cutting-edge, leading-edge technologies and whatnot. Um, artificial intelligence, AI, robotic activity is a real threat. Obviously, a couple of weeks ago... And um, most recently, this week in Dallas, what a horrible tragedy there. And uh, previous to that, of course, you had the Orlando shooting, the worst, uh, the deadliest mass shooting in American history. And so while these things crop up, it's hard to argue what is the most severe threat, whether it is terrorist activity, whether it is something that is going to destroy us, like a cataclysmic event, maybe an electromagnetic pulse, right? Real possibilities. So is artificial intelligence, AI, robotic movement. Now, there's so many stories that I could backtrack and I could cite you example after example after example on why I believe that uh, we are gearing up for a artificial or a robotic uh, invasion. Uh, many of them are because they are starting to learn skills that are human-esque, learning how to hunt prey, learning, learning even the simplest things as holding items, walking, everything else that comes with that. Elon Musk, you know, the, uh, the guy involved with Tesla and SpaceX, he's opened up a gym to train robots. There are robots that are being used in industries, and people don't even know it because they look like you and I. These aren't hub- hubrids, although they are in a sense, but they are robots. They have a human-esque presence about them, but they're 100% artificial. Scientists at the Institute of Neuroinformatics at the University of Zurich in Switzerland started learning how intelligent robots hunted prey using a special software to aid the robot to identify its target and then attack. Now, these were not on real animals, you might be asking. This was Predator on, well, it was, uh, it was artificial. But there you have it, robots hunting down prey. Um, and, of course, we have the story of a functioning artificial brain that has been created from circuitry. You know, every robot needs to be programmed. It's got to store that programming somewhere. Why not in an artificial brain? 
Well, German scientists have created a circuit that mimics the functions of the human brain without the use of computer processors. They used a circuit that features two oscillators, which create periodic electrical impulses. And between those two oscillators is a network of special circuitry made up of special components that can remember the level of voltage that previously flowed through them, allowing them to adapt varying voltage levels generated by the oscillators. In a circuit diagram, the oscillators were able to synchronize themselves similar to the manner in which neurons synchronize in the human brain. Maybe a little bit over your head, it's a bit over my head, as some of these stories are. I don't really know what to make of many of them, but that is certainly okay. Uh, I'm just bringing you what I come across, and uh, it doesn't take much um, skill upstairs to kind of listen uh, to these stories that we report on the program and form your own thoughts in your mind about whether or not this might really be a threat. And I haven't really made a convincing case of it tonight. I just wanted to catch you up on some news items since I've last been off of this microphone. By the way, you know, if you've been holding your breath on whether star KIC 8462852, the number and the name that nobody ever remembers, Tabby Star, maybe is a little bit easier to remember, just call it the alien megastructure hoax because it took some of the smartest people in the world to tell us that there has been absolutely zero transmission from Tabby's star, the alien megastructure. You know, the, um, the news that one talk show host went on the air and made a really big deal out of with breaking news? Not so breaking, is it? As this story from Inverse.com says, our cold streak continues as far as finding any sign of uh, alien life. China, though, is uh, in the hunt for uh, alien life. They are using a telescope, the world's largest, in fact, to take the lead in the search for alien life. $180 million is what they spent on this thing. So China thinks that um, finding aliens will someday be a thing. And there's a flesh-eating bacteria that is uh, causing a scare along the Gulf Coast. Imagine that. You go out to wanting to install, install, enjoy rather 4th of July weekend, which is just past, or... Any other um, moment of summer, you know, when the uh, the weather is a little bit better and uh, you're with your family, you maybe pack a picnic and you open up the umbrella and uh, all of a sudden when you get back in the car, your flesh is literally starting to decay. I, I don't want to make people sick here, but you should notice, uh, know that from Texas to Florida, there's this bug that is waterborne. And uh, it is um, causing people to lose limbs. It's also causing, well, it's also killing people, quite frankly. And, uh, and then, of course, there's the Zika virus, which is something that uh, I think is more important of an issue now than it has ever been. But I can't say that uh, 100% for sure. I want to believe that is the case. But as we've heard before, you know, Zika wasn't a really big deal, and then it turned out to be 
a little bit more concerning. And now there's the story from The Atlantic, which says Zika is the most difficult emergency health response ever, according to a CDC official. So it depends on who you might want to believe there. Um, As far as that is concerned, um, I'll take it with a grain of salt because they've said a lot on the Zika virus. And like I said, at first they were really, really not concerned at all. And then they said, yeah, it's actually a little bit more concerning than we first thought. Excuse me, than we first thought. And uh, now they're saying it's the most difficult response to a health emergency ever. The effects of the Zika virus include shrinking brains in newborns. For mothers, they include miscarriages. And then for everyone else, paralysis, and much like that flesh-eating bacteria, can cause death. You know, there is a real uh, concern for yours truly coming back from Texas, uh, which is mosquito brewing country. Lots of mosquito bites that I brought back. Um, They finally have uh, started to go away. Uh, Some of them you can still see there. Uh, Many of them all across my body, not to get too uh, much in detail, uh, but it looks like I might have might have escaped the Zika virus at all costs. Uh, some not as lucky, of course. It's affecting. Let's see, it is responsible for for deaths. Hundreds of people in the United States, many th- hundreds, of, many uh, dozens of thousands uh, around the world, especially in some some countries uh, that are maybe not as clean as the United States. Uh, Doctor Roach was talking about funding, which was something that uh, while I was off, the House of Representatives finally stood up and passed. A bill to fund it, uh, $1.1 billion. It was about eight tenths uh, uh, of a billion dollars uh, less than what President Barack Obama wanted for the funding of Zika virus. But uh, nonetheless, they gave it a little bit of money. When we come back, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to have Ken Pfeiffer on the program with uh, UFO sightings. France, Quebec, Argentina, Louisiana, Illinois, Brazil, and New Jersey All on the map tonight, plus the Jackie Gleason case involving ET contact and some military sightings. That is to come. You're listening to Into the Parabnormal. I'm Jeremy Scott.
can't keep them down, no matter how hard you try. You can take such a licking and keep on ticking. Jeremy Scott is back. You're right. Into the Parabnormal. Hey, thanks, Chris. I'm Jeremy, and you're riding into the Parabnormal, as he said. If you've uh, tuned in for any uh, length of time uh, to the other show or to the other show, uh, you pretty much know uh, what you're going to get from me on a nightly or now a weekly basis which is the God's honest truth as far as I uh, am concerned. And, of course, you're always welcome to call in with your input. If you think I'm full of a bunch of beans, 818-473-5370, or you can Skype into Parabnormal. Um, you know, I welcome you at all times. I, I love that uh, that you let me know that you're listening. The uh, Twitter page is at Parabnormal Show. Uh, of course, into the parabnormal on Facebook. My email address is into the parabnormal at uh, gmail dot com. Uh, we'll have that listen line coming up in future weeks. Uh, if you want to podcast the program, eventually those will be on TuneIn. Of course, that's one of the places you can uh, listen to the program live. But on YouTube, uh, we'll have the uh, podcast up there actually really quickly. Uh, Spreaker and SoundCloud as well. Some of our other podcast partners. Our radio affiliates are WLRU, 106.9, Hillsboro, Ohio. And, of course, Valentine Radio 1610 and Valentine, Van Horn, Fort Davis, and Marfa, Texas. So if you got something nice to say. Now, those are the uh, the ways to uh, get involved in the program. A couple of uh, quick headlines here before I bring in um, – well, let's actually bring in Ken Pfeiffer right now, and then we'll we'll work some parabnormal news into this with uh, Ken Pfeiffer, who's uh, here from MUFON. He's a, an investigator. He's collected thousands of pictures and new dot, news items from around the world. Chief investigator of the New Jersey chapter of the Mutual UFO Network and state director in Rhode Island and Vermont, having investigated more than 700 cases. He runs two of the largest websites of their kind, WorldUFOPhotos.org and WorldUFOPhotosAndNews.org. And the best part about this is he's my friend, and he's right now on Into the Parabnormal. Good evening, Ken. Hey, Jeremy. Hi. How you doing, pal? I'm doing great. Great to have you on the program. Um, yeah, sec- it's an honor. I'm glad to be on. It's, I'm excited. Second week of the month. Ken Pfeiffer's here. Uh, of course, we've got the pictures linked up. You go to my website. I'll be putting them up shortly on the Twitter page at Parabnormal Show. Um, there's a story, Ken, that I have um, linked up in the story section. It's from a 69-year-old witness. She's um, named Jill, and she's confessed in an interview, which was posted by a uh, UFO researcher, that she carried out tests on pieces of a flying saucer, which allegedly crashed in, crashed in the New Mexico desert near Roswell. This was 10 years after uh, 1947. Have you heard that story? Uh, no, no, I haven't. That that's, uh, sounds like some exciting news. That's great. Uh, do you think that it holds any water? Well, I don't see why not. I mean, there's uh, I'm sure there's tons of uh, UFO evidence out there right now, and uh, that's not being disclosed for whatever reason. And uh, it seems that a lot of these people are starting to come out of the closet and admit that uh, these things are real, and, and some of them have evidence. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other story that um, that I, I had that is kind of uh, down your, your alley as well, of course, um, Roswell was also a UFO crash. Uh, but there's this other story that um, says 
of course, it always comes with a question mark, which when anything comes with a question mark, I question the story because it, it sounds like they're writing the, uh, the headline for uh, publicity, not for uh, truth. Conclusive proof that a UFO crashed to Earth, a leaked memo on debris from an outer space vehicle is the headline from the Express out of the UK. A top-secret document leaked by a UFO activist has been hailed as the world's first conclusive proof of parts of a flying saucer being found on Earth. Ken Pfeiffer? Uh, that's great. I'm, I'm glad to hear it. Like I said, I'm glad to hear that people are finally coming out of uh, the closet here and admit that these things exist. And, and I think there's, uh, like I said, there's tons of evidence out there that that can prove that uh, a lot of these items are uh, not from this earth. Okay, we want folks to go to my website, which is intotheparabnormal.wix.com, into, I-N-T-O, the, T-H-E, parabnormal.com, P-A-R-A-B-N-O-R-M-A-L.wix, W-I-X.com, slash, I-T-P, as in Into the Parabnormal Radio. And again, the reason for that website is because I'm broke. And so it's a free website. And uh, we'll get our own domain eventually. But that's the website. If you go there, you're going to find Ken Pfeiffer's uh, links and his picture. And you'll also find the nine pictures, uh, the eight pictures, that we're going to be referencing tonight. Uh, for this first one, it goes back to the year 1981, and it's in France. Uh, Ken Pfeiffer, what's the story there? Uh, yeah, from what I understand, this was a highly publicized uh, sighting in France, one of the one of the most important important sightings that they've had. Now, this was January 8, 1981. Uh, this was Trans Unprovidence, France. Excuse my French. Uh, this this happened. It took place, like I said, January eighth, nineteen eighty one, in Trans on uh, Providence, France. Uh, an unidentified object was seen landing in the yard of Nikolai. Despite the drawback to this case, uh, due to the signal witness that validated the landing, he still gave a full account to police authorities, making him as a trustworthy and reliable individual. Uh, this guy named Nikolai had lived at the uh, Trans and Providence house for fourteen years with his wife. Uh, Nikolai's wife worked as a cleaning lady, and Nikolai was just retired from the uh, SCNI company. Uh, since 1973, Nikolai had suffered from a heart condition, which forced him to retire uh, six years after, uh, six years later with a pension. But on January 8th, uh, he was outside in the yard when around 5 p.m. he heard a whistling sound. Uh, later on, he was shocked to see a flying device with a large uh, with a large pine tree near nearby the boundary of the property, as the alien continued its as the alien craft continued its downward motion, he moved closer for a better view, and he clearly saw the object in the yard. <clears throat> Excuse me. Moments after he the object raised up and took off, uh, as it made its way, the object had kicked up dust. Nikolai appeared. Um, it appeared like two saucers, uh, which is inverted. On beneath, on or beneath each other, it's staying at the height of around four feet with a dull gray color. Uh, GPAN, G-E-P-A-N, which is a department of the French Space Agency, is responsible for all the UFO organization uh, investigations. Uh, he also reconstructed the duration and trajectory. According to the witness, he stated 
uh, perceiving the phenomenon in the sky beyond the trees at the back end of the huge platform. Uh, and in this case, uh, Mr. Nikolai observed that the motion was continuous and fast without sudden change in speed. Uh, the Trans and Providence case had always been included in the discussions. In fact, it was considered as one of the best cases that took place in France. Uh, on the case, uh, much, of, and, and much of this investigation was done uh, through uh, definite conclusions may arrive, but residents therein were assuming that a UFO landed in uh, January 8, 1981. So this was a very high-profile case in France, and there's a, uh, a pretty dynamite picture of, of uh, what this thing was and looked like. It, it, uh, it's very strange. We move on to number two. You can go to the website or look for those at Paranormal Show on Twitter and to the Paranormal on Facebook. We're headed all around the world with Ken Pfeiffer tonight, his monthly UFO sightings report the second week of the month. Uh, Quebec, Canada, uh, 1972, Ken. Uh, yeah, this is uh, this is a very famous photo here. Uh, I, I like to to show a lot of these old photos because, you know, it, it kind of proves that a lot of these craft were not, not military craft because, you know, we didn't have the technology. We didn't have really drones back in 1972. So it kind of kills all the debunkers out there that says that, you know, this is modern technology, uh, but not in the fall of 1972. It wasn't. But this was Lake um, Manawaki, Quebec, Canada, and uh, it was a late uh, summer or fall of 1972. A witness who insisted upon remaining unidentified was walking near Lake Manawaki in the province of, Quan of uh, Quebec, Canada, when he came upon a huge cone-shaped object, uh, apparently resting upon the ground or else hovering very close to it. It was a very large size. He said 60 to 70 feet tall, and as he came in, as, it, as he came into view, it began to rise. He quickly uh, opened his camera and snapped a picture of the strange aircraft on black and white negative film as it continued to ascend upward toward the clouds above. Uh, as you can see, the photograph was made with a 35-millimeter handheld camera in what looks like uh, late mid-afternoon time. Uh, the strange object was ice cream sh cone-shaped and of about the same profile and proportions as the Mesa, Arizona, um, sighting that was very similar uh, to that sighting, and this one was flying with the point of the cone up and a large end down. It looked metallic and was of a silvery, silvery color with 12 seemingly fluorescent or somewhat light radiating probes positioned around the bottom that also looked metallic, and four more around the top that were of a slightly different color and also seemingly uh, lights was radiating from it. Uh, the 12 lower globes around the rim of the widest part were of a sort of reddish-orange reddish hue, and the smaller one around the top just below the point were just a, a little more pinkish in color. But the rest of the surface of this object uh, was not marred by any seams or, or lines or rivets or fasteners or, or anything like that. Uh, it, it seemingly made it was seemingly was made of all in one piece, and there was no markings of any kind visible on the craft. And the witness was not disappointed, and nobody who knew him had been able to trace his whereabouts. There's no indication as to whether other photos were made or whether the witness had had any contact with the craft. 
but the original negative was sent to someone in the United States, and then as became uh, the negative became lost. But uh, now this was another high-profile case here in Canada, and it's a uh, it's a, a terrific photo, it really is. Again, why do people report these UFO sightings? Why don't they just tell their friends? Why do they call MUFON? Well, uh, part of the problem is I think a lot of people don't call MUFON, or, or a lot of people see these things in the sky, and quite frankly, they don't know who to call. You know, a, a lot of people figure, well, let me call the police station, and and. You know, if you were going, if you were to go on the phone right now and call the police station and tell them you saw something strange in the sky, uh, they'll probably uh, write it off or, or tell you there's nothing they can do about it. Or, you know, it, it's a shame that that MUFON hasn't been able to contact a lot of these uh, pl- uh, agencies uh, uh, just to let them know if anyone does report any kind of UFOs. Uh, you know, here's the number. You call MUFON, you report it, and and. We will investigate the case, and, and uh, you know, MUFON's not the only uh, game in town. There, there's other UFO organizations out there, but uh, MUFON is is the largest. And and but still, if if you were to ask nine out of ten people what MUFON is, they would uh, they really don't know. I, I think a lot of people are really not aware of that. There's a UFO organization out there called MUFON that that really does investigate these UFO sightings. All volunteer effort, and like yourself, uh, retired, many folks uh, who have been doing this have been doing it for decades. Exactly. Yeah, we don't get paid uh, anything. Uh, I haven't received one penny in the last ten years for what I do. But but it's 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 a passion. Uh, you know, you have to first of all believe. I've, I have six sightings myself, and a close encounter at Area 51, which I, I think I already mentioned to you in one of uh, some of your past shows. But um, it, it's incredible that, um, you know, like I said, a lot of people see these things, and, and they really don't know what to do with it. So, I um, mean, you know, thank God there's a, everyone seems to have a camera uh, nowadays on hand. So we have been getting some uh, very spectacular photos of these strange alien craft flying around in our skies. 818-473-5370. If you can get through, lines are um, full right now. 818-473-5370. Not just because Ken Pfeiffer is on the line, but because we have folks waiting, and we'll get to them after the top of the hour. We're going to pick up this UFO report with sighting number three. We have eight of these to get to tonight with Ken Pfeiffer on the debut of Into the Parabnormal. I should have mentioned the Skype as well, Into Parabnormal. You can also just go to uh, our website or our Facebook or our Twitter page and uh, get it from there. Uh, Argentina, uh, this actually, uh, this year, uh, actually five months ago to the day. Yeah, this one's very recent. A great photo. It seemed that the, the, the person here to witness was taking some photos of uh, some cyclist on an overpass, and, and uh, when they were taking uh, the photos, they, they were able to see the, uh, the actual UFO. It's, it's not like they viewed the photo later and saw it on the photo, but no, this was an actual witness who saw this. And this was February 9th of 2016, a couple of months ago, a few months ago, and this was uh, La Rinconda, Argentina, I guess that's how you pronounce it. Uh, the story goes is here, a member of a family from a cultural company claims having been able to see an unidentified flying object for fleeting seconds at La Rinconcada, not far from uh, de los Andes. Uh, they took photographs of the event, which frightened them. Uh, the cultural company, uh, Al Instante, a web portal, 
conveyed the statement and made statements made by Veronica. Apparently, she's the one who took these photos. Um, and they said it was an incredible story, and they noted that the family was on its way to uh, Junin and stopped at La Rinconada, and they spent some time on the banks of the Colonquera River. Uh, Veronica says that she took a photo of a group of bikers crossing the bridge when she saw the strange object in the sky. She screamed. Uh, everyone looked, looked, and, and we saw it uh, some 50 meters away. Uh, for an instant, uh, just when it, just when I took the photo, after that it was, it was no longer there. She, she explained, uh, this, this sounds like a close encounter, only 50 meters, but their initial reaction was to run and get into the car, and uh, we took off immediately. We shut everything because it was truly frightening. It, it truly frightened us, uh, said the resident of the coastal company who shared the photo that went viral over the weekend uh, through social media. So this was a a pretty spectacular uh, photo of a, a shiny uh, alien uh, flying saucer, basically, is what it looks like. Some might say he just said alien craft? Uh, yeah, I, I say alien craft. Um, you know, it's, it's what they are. It's, it's uh, People say UFO, and I, I think it's about time that, uh, you know, unidentified flying object, uh, I think that should be kind of thrown out the window and... and uh, you know, let's face it, these things are, are becoming identified as alien craft. It's, it's, it's kind of like standing on, on a dock, and you're looking in the clear water, and you see all these uh, USOs, uh, unidentified submerged objects, swimming all over the place. I mean, they're fish. And, you know, they, they, they should approach it the same way uh, with, with these alien craft flying in the skies and of course some could be bugs and birds and uh, lens flare and and who knows what but uh, i'll tell you what there's a very very large majority of these things or or these alien crafts just uh, just checking us out essentially mm-hmm. uh ken let's move on to number four uh ufo sightings with ken pfeiffer here of mufon world ufo photos dot org world ufo photos and news dot org uh, a lot of these uh, overseas so far, but now we're back into the States in Louisiana, 2011. This is number four. Yeah, this is a, a great shot here. I've seen this object uh, quite a few times. As a matter of fact, I've I've seen the same object. I don't know if it's the same object, but a very, very similar object when I did my investigation uh, in a UFO sighting uh, down in uh, Alloway Township in South Jersey, and and this this craft is is almost identical to what was down there uh, a few years back. And and as a matter of fact, uh, I have quite a few photos of this style of uh, alien craft that was taken by a, a lot of these amateur astronomers, these guys who are taking photos of the planets and the moon and everything else. They are picking these things up in the in the upper atmosphere. And uh, just some great shots. Now, this was uh, March 19, 2011. Uh, this was over Louisiana. And uh, it says here, I am a photographer, photographer on, and on Ken, March 19th, I was outside. I hate to do this to you, Ken. We're going to have to hold that over to the next hour because we are at the end of our first hour. Into the Paranormal rolls on. Ken Pfeiffer is my guest tonight on this, the debut Stick with me.
major sighting here. It's all over the place. Holy. I see dead people walking around like regular people. Paranormal. Somewhere between abnormal and paranormal. I felt like something was near me. Kind of a eerie feeling. You want answers? I want the truth! Jeremy Scott asks the questions that we're all dying to know. You can't handle the truth! Hello? Hello? You can't keep them down, no matter how hard you try. Traveling into the witching hour from the cold, dark depths of a secret dungeon somewhere deep in the remote Pacific Northwest, you're riding into the paranormal. Yeah, not nearly as hot. That was just stupid hot. Now we have right around perfect hot up here in the Northwest. Actually got an overcast this weekend. Much cooler. No sticky. I just, yeah, I just, that was just sticky. Stupid, stupid, stupid. But back we are now uh, with uh, Ken Pfeiffer here in uh, just a moment. And uh, we're going to pick back up right where we left off with his monthly UFO sightings report. Of course, uh, Ken's website, uh, worldufophotos.org, worldufophotosandnews.org. And uh, many of these pictures uh, that he's taking uh, that he's bringing us tonight. He's taking right from his website, so you'll find many of these accounts there. Um, you can also go to at Parabnormal Show or into the Parabnormal on Facebook. Either one will do, and uh, you'll see the pictures there. We've put up uh, sightings one through four already on Twitter. We'll make those uh, into the chat room in just a moment, uh, into the Parabnormal live chat, which you can find on the front of the website. Uh, that's into the com slash ITP radio. Back with Ken Pfeiffer, we go to a sighting number four, uh, which we were starting to get the story to right when we uh, hit the uh, the uh, top of the hour. I'm still trying to get my timing down, Ken, so my apologies. But back to Louisiana, March 19th, 2011. Uh, yeah, that was a, that's a great photo. Uh, like I said before, I've seen this photo, this, this type of craft, uh, quite a few times. I investigate. I investigated a craft and then uh, a sighting of, of a this this type of craft in South Jersey a few years ago, and uh, yeah, part of what the story goes, uh, March nineteenth, two thousand eleven. Um, he says here that he's a photographer, and on March nineteenth, I was outside taking pictures of the moon during its lunar perigee. My grandparents were also outside with me, playing with my daughter on her swing set. While aiming my shot of the moon, I noticed what I thought was some some debris on my lens, so I cleaned it and prepared to try the shot again. I observed at this point that I, I could make out the object but only through the camera lens and that it was not obvious to the naked eye. So apparently, you know, this thing was pretty high up in the upper atmosphere because he, he couldn't see it with his eye. He could only see it through, through his, his lens of his camera. And at this point, I realized that I was not seeing a speck on my lens, but rather something in the sky. I tried to use my autofocus to capture the object, but it kept focusing on the moon. I turned off the autofocus and manually targeted the object, and this is the picture that is attached uh, to this report. Uh, let me see. I know 
I don't know if it's important, but my camera is a Canon Rebel T2i with a Sigma 18-250 millimeter lens. The photograph was taken and zoomed all the way in. Once the uh, image was captured, I reviewed it on my camera and called my grandparents over to see what I had photographed. Uh, none of us had ever seen an airplane like this before, and my grandparents and I both looked at up, but none of us could see the object. I set my camera to live mode, allowing us to see the uh, see the viewfinder image on the screen on the back of the camera. Uh, positioned it, and we all saw the object. Uh, I'm not sure if we couldn't see the object, but with the naked eye because of its size in the sky or something else, but whatever the case, we can only see it through the camera. Uh, while, while I never actually saw the, the object moving, it was in slightly different positions to the moon every time I looked at it. And we talked about it for a couple of minutes, and I tried to get another picture of the object, but I couldn't uh, find it this time. And we decided to, to come uh, uh, come upload the images to the computer and look at them a, a little bit closer. but. Uh, now I've seen this this object quite a few times, and there's a lot of a lot of uh, astronomers out there who like to take photos of the moon and the planets, and uh, sometimes they run across this craft, um, you know, on with their photos on their photos, and it's it's a, a dynamite shot, really is. Ken, how many pictures do you have on your websites combined? Well, combined, I probably have about uh, let me see, maybe eleven thousand. Uh, I have a. Uh, most of them are, are alien craft photos, UFO photos, but I have over 9,000, plus I have one of the, a very large strange gallery. I have uh, um, ghost gallery, believe it or not. I also have uh, a lot of my discoveries that I made on uh, the moon and Mars and Saturn. These are things that, that I find in my spare time. I like to go through the high-definition NASA photos. Uh, of uh, some of these uh, images that that has uh, been captured of, of the different planets in the moon, and, and uh, uh, you'd be surprised. There's a lot of strange, strange things, especially on the moon that I've I found. And uh, yeah, that, that my gallery is growing. It's it's um, I probably have about uh, uh, maybe close to 15 different galleries of different things, but it's it's uh, basically all ufo related and and uh, you know I, I want to try to keep it uh, uh, you know that style of a website ken pfeiffer is my guest his monthly ufo sightings report is featured uh, on my website and at world ufo photos dot uh, org world ufo photos and news dot org we've got a couple of more of these uh, five six and seven and then we want to talk about uh, the jackie gleason case and if we have some time maybe some military sightings so take us to illinois for number five in 2010 ken okay yeah that's uh that's a super uh, photo this was uh october 30th 2010 uh this was over uh, batavia illinois and uh the statement uh, goes here is I saw three lights in the sky with my wife and grandson. Our photo was hasty and poor as the camera couldn't photograph the sky and the lights at, at a wide angle. The close-up was blurred. Our view was much closer and wider if, they, if there were a single object, and which is about 45 degrees. Uh, the right light was almost, uh, was almost to the south, perhaps south, southeast, as seen in relation to the planet, I believe Jupiter in the photo, the leftmost light was more to the southeast, uh, seemingly directly east of the right, uh, right from my view. The apex of the 
a Sicilese triangle was made uh, it made about a 45 degree or so in elevation and between the two but higher inclination we saw the lights through the leaf uh, bare trees mostly and these lights were, were these lights never moved either in relation to each other nor in relation to the tree branches we were looking through they looked like planes in the sky but never moved and without noise it was too large across the sky for a blimp and again no uh, propeller noise helicopters in wide formation didn't make uh, sense either so uh, and why would the lights fade out so we looked for uh, solid material between the lights and, and could see none the stars were not bright enough to pass through the sky which was a couple hours uh, past sunset uh, the sky seemed clear but must have been a bit hazy as i don't recall stars that night although jupiter was bright uh, the lights faded out almost simultaneously after about 10 or 15 minutes uh, given the time posted my location on on my patio was on the west bank of the fox river in batavia so um yeah that was a pretty uh that now this this is a part of a mufon case file so that's where i was able to get this one from where do you get some of your other reports i know you work with uh, some of the other ufo investigation uh, investigative groups as well uh i would have to say the uh, uh national ufo reporting center out of washington state I was getting a lot of reports from um, UFO Casebook, but uh, from what I understand, Billy Booth uh, kind of threw in the towel, and, and he's not going to be uh, um, updating his uh, his website. UFO UFO Casebook uh, was probably had the most uh, information uh, about UFOs and some incredible photos on on his website, but I think. Uh, from what I understand, I think he uh, was going through some poor health, and, and he uh, decided to uh, to give it up for a while. I, I guess I don't know, but now there's a few uh, there's a few of them out there. As a matter of fact, a lot of these organizations send these uh, sightings to me, especially in the most recent sightings. And uh, believe it or not, uh, uh, Phantoms and, Monst- and Monsters dot com. Uh, has a, a yeah, lot of UFO uh, sightings on it, and, and uh, I get a lot of information from them also. Absolutely. We're going to skip over number six, uh, Sao Paulo, Brazil. Folks can check out the picture if they want by going to the website. We'll also put that out on the uh, up in the chat room and uh, at Parabnormal Show on Twitter into the Parabnormal on Facebook. Uh, for those who want to see the picture, that's number six. That's one that uh, we featured before. We're, we'll skip over Sao Paulo, Brazil and go to number seven, uh, Jersey City, New Jersey, August 2011. Yeah, this was a very clear shot. As a matter of fact, them them red uh, lights you see. Uh, at first, I thought maybe it had something to do with with thrusters or something on the bottom of this craft. But uh, for after analyzing the, the photo, and uh, it looks like that there's some kind of a lights on under this. Now, this was uh, basically every Jersey City, New Jersey, and and in the Manhattan area, we get a lot of sightings. In the Manhattan area, especially at night, because uh, you know the Manhattan is, is lit up like a diamond. If, if you're up in the sky flying around in your little flying saucer at 100,000 feet at nighttime, you know Manhattan is just lit up like a diamond. So I'm sure these things are coming down here just to investigate. But basically, this one here was uh, let me see, uh, August 30th, 2011. Uh, Jersey City, New Jersey, uh, says here, last night in New York, August 30th, 
around 10 p.m. I noticed from the apartment windows overlooking the Hudson, looking out across to Jersey City from Lower Manhattan, a hovering stationary, seemingly airborne object uh, uh, was over Jersey City. Now, this person was in Manhattan, you know, looking at this object that was over New Jersey, at Jersey City. So. Uh, it was. It had a bright red light flashing regularly underneath. I enjoy aviation and frequently look, frequently look out of the apartment windows to see what's what. I knew this wasn't a plane from first class. I, a glance, I looked at it long and hard because it had an odd bulk to its shape and it seemed too uh, too big for a helicopter and probably therefore uh, was a blimp. My feeling was that it was unidentified you know, un unidentifiable by the naked eye, and it made me pretty inquisitive to know what it was. I watched it hardly moving, maybe uh, progressing, but very slow. Logic told me it had to be a helicopter, so I got to, I got on with uh, with other stuff. But when it, but after 10 minutes, I saw it was still there, and had not changed position much, and I, I decided to photograph it. And uh, these pictures were taken with an eight-second exposure. I zoomed. One using iPhoto, the uh, object is is not something I recognize. It it is probably some sort of balloon or blimp, but it would be interesting to know what type and what it was doing. Uh, it continually it continued slowly progressing inland away from Jersey City uh, Jersey City for about an hour. Uh, the flashing red light uh, very prominent and visible. My friend. Friends' kids came in not long after I had photographed it, and I pointed out the object to them, and it must have been seen by thousands. I'm sure there's a there's a sensible explanation, but uh, I, I do not have one at, at this point. Okay, we've got one more to get to. Uh, that is number um, well, it's the, the Jackie Gleason case, um, yeah. and and that's a very very fascinating case as well. Uh, Jackie Gleason claims that uh, that he had uh, contact with extraterrestrials. Uh, yes, he saw. He claimed he saw alien bodies, and and um, I picked this up off Rents. Uh, uh, you know, Rents' uh, website. He has some uh, some pretty uh, pretty good UFO things on there, and and I picked this up off of his site. But uh, uh, let me see. It was a it was a chance conversation. Well, it says here that Gleason uh, was an extremely serious armchair UFO researcher, and prided himself on his huge collection of UFO related books which numbered into the thousands. I, I didn't know that. As soon as a new title came out, even in Europe or the U.K., Jackie had a copy. Uh, little did he suspect that his interest in that topic would one day gain him access to something that most people would never, ever believe, and I would, and I would leave others to, who shared his interest either skeptical or forever jealous. There was a chance conversation one afternoon back in 1974 in Florida while Jackie Gleason was playing golf with uh, with President Nixon. Uh, apparently they were good friends and, and buddied around and played golf together. So, you know, one thing led to another, and Jackie had mentioned his interest in UFOs and his large collection of books, and the president admitted that he also shared Jackie's interest and had a sizable collection of UFO-oriented uh, oriented materials of his own. At this time, the president said little about what he actually knew, but things were to change uh, drastically later on that same night. Uh, one can only imagine Gleason's surprise when President Nixon showed up at his house around midnight, completely alone and driving his own private car. 
when Jackie Gleason asked him why he was there, Nixon told him that he wanted to take him somewhere and show him something. He got into the president's car, and they ent- and they ended up at the gates of Homestead Air Force Base, which is there in in, uh, in Florida. I guess it's about 30, 40 miles uh, south of Miami, uh, Homestead is. And they passed through security and drove to the far end of the base to a tightly guarded building. At this point, I, I will quote directly from Gleason himself from an interview he gave to UFO researcher and author Larry Warren. Uh, we drove to the very far end of the base in a, a, in a segregated area, finally stopped near a well-guarded building. The security people saw us coming and just sort of moved back as we passed them and entered the structure. <clears throat> there was a number of labs we passed through first uh, before we entered a section where Nixon pointed out what he said was the wreckage from a flying saucer enclosed in, enclosed in several large cases. Next, we went into an inner chamber, and there were six or eight of what looked like glass-topped Coke freezers. Inside them were the mangled remains of what I took to be children. Then upon closer examination, I saw that some of the other figures looked quite old. Most of them were terribly mangled, as if they had been in an accident. And Gleason, uh, he was understandably excited by all this, and... Uh, and, but he was quite trauma, traumatized by it all and said that he couldn't eat or sleep properly for weeks afterwards and found himself drinking heavily until he was able to gain his composure. His wife at the time, Beverly, recall, uh, recalls him being out very late that night and speaking excitedly about what he had seen when he returned home. Uh, so, yeah, you can read forever uh, about, uh, uh, you know, this sighting that, that uh, Jackie Gleason had, and, and uh, I've always been a big fan of Jackie Gleason, and, and um, you know, he seemed to be the kind of guy that, that told it like it was, and, and uh, yeah, this was a very, very interesting case of uh, seeing these aliens in the morgue, basically what it was. And for those who don't know, Jackie Gleason was an actor and a musician and a comedian. Uh, yeah, he was, of course, the star of the, uh, the Honeymooners. And he had his own show, the Jackie Gleason show. Now we're talking, uh, you know, fifties, uh, early sixties, I guess. But uh, yeah, he was a uh, been in many movies, and uh, yeah, he was a, a big star back then. Uh, as a matter of fact, he never flew, from what I understand. I know a little bit about him, and, and he always uh, would never fly in a plane, but he uh, always took trains wherever he went. He, you know, he would always take a train. So that was that was uh, very interesting to know that about him. Uh, Ken, what's coming up for uh, you at MUFON? What uh, I mean, you, you basically every day you'll you'll get these reports, uh, and in three states, uh, you're you have a pretty active role there in Rhode Island and in Vermont and New Jersey. Uh, what's on your plate these days? Uh, I know you're retired, and um, and you love doing this kind of stuff. Yeah, this is what I do. I, I just enjoy getting up every morning and and. Uh, you know, walking over to my computer, and and I'm excited to see what what's new. You know, what what new sightings uh, that Mufon has, and and uh, you know, there's there's so much information out there. It's almost impossible to keep up on on everything. You know, a lot of people ask me about this sighting and that sighting, and and you know, a lot of them I've never heard about. But uh, you know, that's just because there's so much of this information out there on. The, that uh, it's really hard to believe. Now, I, I do have a conference coming up here. I'm going to plug our MUFON Philly UFO conference at the Sheraton Bucks County. 
That is October 28th and 29th. Uh, I'm going to be a speaker. I'm going to be showing my uh, alien craft presentation for about an hour and 15 minutes. Uh, that would be on Friday night. So I'm going to I'm going to be opening up the conference, and of course the conference runs into uh, all day Saturday, and John Ventry and and some uh, other noted speakers will be there. But the, that I'm I'm already starting to prepare for that. And that should be a, a pretty good time coming up here at the end of October. Ken, we look forward to having you back the uh, second week in August. Ken Pfeiffer's website's worldufophotos.org, worldufophotosandnews.org, where you can find more than 11,000 pictures. Ken, thanks for jumping on into the paranormal and uh, best to you. It's an honor being on, and I look forward to talking to you again. Absolutely. There's Ken Pfeiffer. He's a MUFON investigator. These craft that are being reported uh, by people in in mass majority all across the world is proved by uh, the sightings we brought you tonight. This is not just a, a United States uh, or a North American phenomenon. There are, there are sightings that are reported all across the world. Uh, I don't go quite as far as Ken Pfeiffer does, saying that these have to be alien craft, unless, of course, the definition of alien just happens to be, well, something that is maybe foreign, uh, or, or in that sense, you just use the term alien. But, but I don't think that necessarily all of these that are reported necessarily are driven by extraterrestrials or or uh, are alien craft. This is Into the Parabnormal. From the right to the left coast of the United States, we are approaching the witching hour. We're taking you, or taking you to the witching hour on the east coast on this Saturday night. I'm Jeremy Scott. Saturday night into the pair of normal. 
Oh, my God. Boy, does it feel better than ever to be back behind this microphone. It's like I never should have left. <laughs> hey, we'll get to that in a moment. You know, I want to make sure you get your money's worth here when you come to this program. It's free to listen live. It's free to listen not live. It's free to listen all the time. If you're nice and kind and you send me support, I might get my own domain soon. Who knows? I might start doing more shows. I want to thank our loyal affiliates because without them carrying this program, our reach wouldn't be reach wouldn't nearly be as wide. Valentine Radio 1610 in Marfa, Van Horn, Fort Davis, and Valentine, Texas. Good evening to you. Approaching the witching hour near the Cincinnati, Ohio area in the town of Hillsborough. St. Mary Catholic Church, the congregation and the surrounding population listens on 106.9 WLRU. And of course, the TuneIn Radio app is just the coolest thing since sliced bread. Download it. Search into the Parabnormal. You'll find me. Give it a follow. You'll find all of your great radio stations, except those that are owned by that certain corporation that has their own app for those. And you'll get all that on the TuneIn Radio app. Great partners. Of course, we're up on YouTube. Eventually, we'll be streaming live on YouTube. I might bring you into the studio. Um, but that is way down the line. Of course, we're also on Spreaker and we're on SoundCloud as well. For those who follow on those mediums, we try to reach you as uh, much as we possibly can. You know, I'm used to doing three hours. I've been used to be doing three hours. I don't know if you can tell the voice is uh, getting a little bit adjusted to being back beyond the microphone. It's been three and a half weeks, and it's just like riding a bike. It'll eventually happen, but you have to work on it. Uh, two hours just flies on by, so we're already into the final half hour of the program. Still time for you. The Skype is into Parabnormal, I-N-T-O-P-A-R-A-B-N-O-R-M-A-L. Make sure you put the B between the A and the N, and you'll find us there. Um, you know, we had Ken Pfeiffer on the line, but we have uh, a little bit of a problem with the incoming calls, uh, you know, things to be ironed out uh, the very first week. Outgoing calls are not a problem, so I guess if you don't like the mind the world knowing your number, put it in the chat room or email into the parabnormal at gmail.com, into the parabnormal at gmail.com, and I might even call you back and uh, have you on in this final half hour of the program if you'd like. Happening of late have been some mysterious encounters that people report in Muscatine County, Iowa. There are signs that uh, individuals are standing beside roadways, sometimes stepping in to the line of uh, travel, the line of sight, the, the, you know, the thing you ride across, uh, drive through. Did a lot of uh, riding. Somebody did a lot of driving through nine states of these great United States to get me back to my home uh, state of Oregon. But these individuals are stepping into the roadway. Uh, they are draft, dressed, uh, dressed in black trench coats. There's even uh, been some reported walking down paved roads across people's yards, you know, getting close to their personal space. Not sure if this is uh, real, legit men in black activity. The sheriff's office, though, is uh, saying that uh, maybe some pranksters are behind these sightings. 
course, uh, we we could be so not naive to that and say that these uh, men in black who are um, harassing people in Muscatine County, Iowa, are just pranksters. Or we could not be naive and say that they're actual men in black. And uh, for what ways uh, or reasons they would be coming after these people, I guess, remains to be seen. But uh, just keep your head up um, if you're there. Well, there's also uh, a, a story uh, of of a mysterious hum being heard worldwide. You know, I have theories on what these sounds are that are echoing from the depths of the earth. And yes, I'm back in the cold, dark depths of a secret dungeon back in the remote Pacific Northwest. And my theory has not changed one bit. That something is happening beneath us. The reason that SETI and METI and those other organizations, which we had the story earlier in the program, they haven't found any transmissions of an alien signal in about a year of trying. Of course, my theory on that all is that they're looking in all the wrong places. They have a set of telescopes that are looking at one frequency. Now, who's to say that, um, well, aliens and extraterrestrials communicate on that frequency, if at all? We know many uh, from many of the encounter reports that the communication is done telepathically. So why would we would think there would be some sort of communication on a frequency and the exact frequency in which these individuals are looking. So it doesn't surprise me that there is absolutely no sign of a signal up there. But it could simply just be because we're looking in all the wrong places. Or as Dr. David Jacobs and others have made the case, hybrids, humanoids, hybrids are actually here on Earth, that they're among us living. And so the day in which aliens come to Earth is not going to be in any of the ways that we envision. But there is, and there are a lot of strange sounds, humming noises, not just here in the United States, across the world. And this account, which you could read from LiveScience.com, talks about an encounter in British Columbia Happened uh, pretty late at night. And these things are happening all across the world. And without getting into too much detail on this report, since it's audio, and we don't actually have the audio of the humming noise, we have in past occurrences, trumpet noises. Sounds like underground drilling or boring or something of that effect. You would think if it was something like that, we would have an explanation as to what these noises actually are. But um, nope, still no explanation for this worldwide hum. And we bring you a story of what might be a chupacabra or might not be a chupacabra. By the way, on the, uh, the, the second show of the month, we'll have much more paranormal news than we would usually have on a program. Ken Pfeiffer joins us the second week of every month. Sometimes we'll have a second guest. Sometimes we won't. And we'll uh, bring you much more paranormal news than we usually would. But how could I avoid the story 
of a possible death by pitchfork. A man in Ukraine claims that he killed a chupacabra. You know, we know that um, in the case of John Edmonds at Alien Ranch, Stardust Ranch, he uh, claims he has killed uh, extraterrestrials with a samurai sword. Apparently, if you're going to uh, kill a chupacabra, you use a pitchfork. Although it remains to be seen whether whether that's actually a chupacabra or if it's just a... um, a sick dog, as sick as that may be. I want to thank my affiliates for picking up the program. And coming up next week, it'll be an exclusive update on the Washington State Poltergeist House. That only I can bring you with Keith Linder, Steve Mara, and Don Phillips. From the cold, dark depths of a secret dungeon somewhere deep in the remote Pacific Northwest, where it feels good as ever to be back home, I'm Jeremy Scott saying good evening and good morning. Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.